Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 28 of The Weird Weird West. Today begins chapter 13, The Hobart Gang. When we left our heroes, they had just beaten or been beaten by or had a misunderstanding with or come to an accord with or otherwise interacted with some gunslingers. Anyway, it ended with handshakes all around. Anyone who had been mistakenly beaten into unconsciousness having enough time to wake up and get their shit together. And then the Desperados attacked. The Hobart Gang. You see, Albert Einstein is up to something really important in a shack somewhere. The Hobart Gang, for some reason, thinks there must be something valuable in the shack. And so, the Wild West's greatest heroes and one sex offender have joined together to protect Albert Einstein, and now you're invited to help. And whether you say yes or you say no, here come the Desperados, oh shit, we better get to it. It starts with the box text, quote, Suddenly, a hail of gunfire peppers the hillside around you with bullets. Gunsmoke drifts from the crest of a nearby hill where the attackers shoot from concealment. The pounding of hooves echoes briefly between hillsides. Then three horsemen burst into the open, galloping toward Einstein's distant shack. So there's a lot of detail here about the encounter that I'm just going to have to sort of gloss over because it's just stuff for the judge to calibrate it. By default, our heroes are up against John Hobart, who's the leader of the gang, then two riflemen up on a ridge with John Hobart, and they're all firing down to provide cover. And they're providing cover for three mounted outlaws. Uh, who are riding into raid Einstein's shack, and they're armed with six shooters. So there's all this tactical stuff here, like the Western heroes have six shooters that don't shoot far enough to hit John Hobart or the rifle guys up on the ridge, so the rifles can hit them, but they can't hit the riflemen, which means they're pretty well pinned down. Hobart tells all the heroes to surrender. There are rules here for, like, cover up on the hillside, how much more difficult you are to hit if you lay down flat. There are suggestions here for the judge to increase or decrease the number of riflemen, depending on how many are needed to challenge the group. There's no reason for me to give you all these details, but I want to convey to you that there are a lot of them, and they don't stop on this page. We get a bunch of stuff about the tactical situation, a bunch of stuff about fine-tuning the adventure. We get the beginning of Pharaoh John Hobart's stat block, which is remarkably detailed. I mean, let me tell you about this guy, Pharaoh John Hobart. He's got a fighting of poor, an agility of excellent, a strength of typical, an endurance of good, a reason of excellent, an intuition of good, a psyche of excellent. He has a popularity of negative five, resources of typical. He has the following talents, sleight of hand and gambling. It says, quote, Hobart is familiar with the common games of chance in this era and adds plus one column shift to reason feats employing this talent. Yes, author, that is what a talent is. It goes on to say that Hobart has a rifle. He doesn't have a gun skill with the rifle, but he does have the gun skill relevant to his Derringer, which is a holdout weapon. He keeps it in his right sleeve. It has a range of only 10 feet, but it does seven points of damage. It goes on to say that Hobart is a card shark who targets greenhorns in Dodge City. He's a professional gambler. We even get something about his uh, his dreams and goals. Quote, this professional gambler aspires to opening his own gaming hall. Wow, interesting fact about this man trying to kill us with a rifle. It tells us a little about the composition of his gang. It's made of, quote, saloon bouncers, gunmen, thugs, and other shady characters. Then it gives us some backstory. Uh, when all this shit went down, he fled Dodge City. Once he was out there on the run, he ran into a bunch of his old acquaintances from his life of crime. He kind of took charge of a bunch of directionless lowlifes, whipped them into shape as a gang, and then 
when they found that all these famous cowboy heroes were guarding a shack, they figured, well, there must be something valuable in the shack. So he sort of directed his makeshift gang to go attack the shack to get whatever's in there. His stat block continues on to the next page with some role-playing notes. Quote, Hobart is a cunning and greedy man willing to take a calculated risk for a benefit. He abhors personal violence, as in a fist fight, but is willing to ambush someone or shoot them in the back if it will save his skin. He is a glib talker who flees at the first sign that he is in serious danger. Because John Hobart's stat block is so long, we're going to have to wait to next page to get stat blocks distinctly for rifle-wielding desperados versus horseback desperados. I offer you all this detail so that you will understand why the following is the dumbest thing on this page. Quote, All of Hobart's gang are mounted. Those who shoot from the hilltops have left their horses tethered at the base of the hill behind them. The first time a superhero uses a superpower or ability with an unusual and visible effect, the ruffians must check to see if they flee in panic at the unexpected phenomenon. Each member of Hobart's gang makes an intuition roll of good intensity. If successful, they are not overawed by subsequent use of that superpower or ability. If the roll fails, that individual goes for his horse and flees the area. Also, if Hobart is slain, his underlings flee as soon as possible. Outlaws who retreat for any of these reasons are no longer a threat and will not return to this place in the future. If you think through the consequences of the rules content here, it is extremely hilarious. And why? Because, everybody drink, the author does not understand the intensity rules. To make a good intensity intuition roll, if you have intuition lower than good, you need a red result. Of the six plus assailants in this scene, all assorted riflemen and desperados have an intuition of poor, which means they have a 1% chance to succeed at their role, not to immediately flee and never return to the encounter as soon as someone uses a superpower. So let's say that the misfits are out here, and the desperados start shooting, and the bullets start flying, and the horses start charging, and we know that a fight is on. The GM has carefully calibrated the encounter, the number of riflemen according to the misfits' abilities. Everyone is positioned, the GM is ready with their GM shield with, this is how much Defense you get from cover, your minus one column shift to hit anybody who's lying prone on the ground. So that's how we can defend ourselves from the riflemen, despite the lack of cover where we are. The rifles have this much range, but the six shooters have this much range. Our heroes win initiative, and the first thing anyone does is that Rhonda, who finally has a use for her superpowered alter ego, transforms into Superball and raises her force field. There's an 83% chance that every single member of the Hobart gang, except for John Hobart, rides away on a horse never to be seen again. And if anyone does stick around, then when Glass Cannon takes on her crystalline form, we'll have to make another round of rolls where every member of the team has a 99% chance of running away. Barring a situation where the super team is all like Punisher type characters who just use conventional weapons, or at least equipment that is recognizable as equipment, there's essentially no way this encounter can end except for the entire group of antagonists to almost immediately run away, leaving only the specifically cowardly John Hobart up on a distant ridge to either wait until these fucking freaks of nature down on the desert floor get close enough to him for him to shoot one of them with his Derringer, or more likely for him to also get on his horse and run away, since his entire gang has just left. This is so much tactical detail. I mean, we know Pharaoh John Hobart's five-year plan. Like, we know his professional ambitions. We know that he aspires to open a gaming hall. We know about his personality. We've got role-playing tips. We know which sleeve he keeps his Derringer in. It is hilarious, all this, for a fight that 83% of the time is over round one, turn one, maybe action one. Because apparently criminals are such a cowardly and superstitious lot, even in the Marvel Universe, that as soon as they see something they can't understand, they're just fucking out of there. Forever. You would think they would maybe have toughened up to this a little bit after, like, having their town invaded by 20-story dinosaurs 
and seeing all kinds of airplanes flying around, strafing them. And, you know, crows are lizard people, tanks like you would think maybe they would have acclimated enough to this strange situation to think, well, that lady's red and that's not right. But maybe I'd rather shoot one red lady than go fight more fucking dinosaurs in the desert. But no, uh, this encounter and this encounter alone, that's the other weird thing. I mean, nobody in this time period, nobody from before World War II for sure, should know what superheroes are. They shouldn't know about superpowers. Those were exceedingly rare before World War II. This thing where people run screaming from the heroes because they're clearly supernatural should be happening all the time. But no, nowhere else. Just these guys. Like, Pharaoh John Hobart runs the single most cowardly gang of criminals in the Wild West, if not all of Earth history. And you could have saved a lot of space in describing this encounter with them if you had just written, the Desperados shoot at the heroes on round one and then flee on round two. Anyway, the good news is our heroes are going to have no trouble against these Desperados. But the bad news is we do miss out on some things by having this encounter end in an immediate wave of panic. Join me next time as we discuss all that these bandits had to offer on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music, used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kula, whose work you can find at Kula.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>